name, amen. Well, the title of this morning's sermon is Thankful for Your Love, Thankful for Your Love. Throughout this series, we've observed examples of Paul thanking God for fellow believers. Now, this is a series on the Apostle Paul's prayers. For those of you who are wondering how many more could there be, there's going to be one more. So, as far as where we'll go from, from that, be praying about that, something that I'm praying about. We'll, we'll probably be getting into a verse-by-verse study in a whole book. We've been doing verse-by-verse studies of different passages here that have Paul's prayers in them. So in the series of Paul's prayers, one category or one way that you could talk to God, one type of conversation, if prayer is nothing more than a conversation with God, one of the types of conversations or, or a part of a conversation that you could have with God is you could say, thank you, God. And, and too often we forget that that would be a good and normal part of having living life with God is that as we're living life and we're praying our way through the day, as we're talking to God, one of the things we would talk to him about as the provider, the sovereign provider for our every need, we would say, thank you, God. We would see things that are good in our lives and we would say, if every good thing comes from above, I can say, thank you, God. I can have a heart of gratitude. And it's interesting that the things that we would first, uh, first come to our minds about what would I be thankful for, oftentimes the very first place our, our brains are going to go is to material things. Well, thank you for the food that I ate this morning. Thank you for the car that I could drive here to church. Thank you for a, a physical thing, right? And the thing that we've seen with the Apostle Paul is that he has shown us that he expresses this attitude of gratitude toward the Lord for fellow believers. And and not just for fellow believers, but he commonly has expressed prayers of thanksgiving for what God is doing in in their lives. And so we've seen various aspects of how Paul has pointed out specific things that he's grateful for in the lives of fellow believers. And here's just a few review examples. One of them was, he says, thank you, I'm praying for these fellow believers, but I'm thankful that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What a thing to be thankful for. I'm thankful for these fellow believers in in my life, and I'm thankful that they're being a bright light for Jesus Christ, that God is using them to spread his message of hope to a lost and dying world. What a thing to be thankful for. Another one was, he says, I bring God, I'm thanking God for you. I'm praying for you and I'm thanking God for you that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Do we pray that? We're, we're thankful to God, not that he's filling our lives with all utterance and knowledge, that he's, he's enriching our lives. He's making, he's making our words, the things that we would say, our conversations, he's making them effective in their outreach or the impact on people that he's the one who's bringing in the harvest from our willingness to be used of him to sow the seeds, to plant seeds, to water seeds, those, those things that we're willing to do as led and directed and empowered by the Spirit of God that he's going to bring an increase from that as he shows us things and, and increases our knowledge and understanding of things. Another one is he says, I'm, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm thankful that we're partner, fellowship partnership, that we're fellow workers, that we're working together in this. And what are we working in? The gospel, the spreading of the gospel, the good news of hope. 
The gospel is a message of good news. It's frankly, the word itself isn't limited to the message of who Jesus is and what he's done. The word itself is any proclamation or any message of good news. Well, this is the best news ever, friends. And so are we prayerful that we can say, thank God that you are partnering, that we're partners together in sharing the gospel. And so when we come together and we even gather at a service and as we gather at a church service, we have the opportunity for a fellow believer to say to us something along the lines of, I just was so encouraged this week that I I was able to have this conversation that God brought about in my life where I could explain the good news of who Jesus is. I could explain man's problem that they were born sinners estranged from God as a result of being identified with sin and being sinners themselves and that that sin had separated him from God due to his holiness. But in his justice, he couldn't just overlook sin, but in his love, he wanted to make a way for a sinner to be reconciled to God. So sinners were barred or separated from God on account of this barrier of sin. And so we have man here who's dead in trespasses and sin, God here who's perfectly holy in this barrier of sin, And for man to be reconciled, something has to be done about the sin. Well, the wage of that sin or the consequence of that sin was that man would forever remain separated from God. And spiritual death is what we're mostly focused on there in the sense that to be spiritually separated from God would mean to spend all of eternity in the place that God actually made for the fallen angels and Satan himself, the lake of fire or hell. That God didn't want that for people, but that's the result of being, of choosing to rebel against God and reject God by choosing sin. And every man is said to be a sinner by birth and by choice. And so in that sense, every man has the same problem. They're separated from God and the consequence or the debt that they owe is death for sin. So then I was able to explain the good news or the the message of hope. So that's the, the bad news or the problem that all men have. And I was able to explain to them how God in his love was willing to break down that wall of separation, that wall of sin by taking all of man's sin and paying the debt of man's sin by dying in sinners, the place of sinners on Calvary as he became the innocent, perfect lamb of God who was slain to take away the sin of the world. And all of our sin was laid on him. And so he became sin for us, even though he knew no sin, so we could become the righteousness of God in him. And I was able to explain that God loved the world so much that he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, somebody had to die for God's justice to be satisfied, and it was either we would die or a substitute would take our place and die in our place. And I explained to them that that was Jesus Christ and that the debt has already been paid, the death for sin has already been accomplished, and that we can get a hold of that if we would simply put our trust in what Jesus Christ has already done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whoever believes is not condemned. He who believes not is condemned already though because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And so by simple faith in what Jesus has already done, by by believing that he paid for my sin, he was rose again for me, that I can have access to a life I don't deserve, that God gives me as a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It was so awesome that I was able to have that conversation with that individual. Now, that could be a conversation that you would have. Now, it'd be encouraging, right? It'd be encouraging to think about how we're fellow workers, we're partners in the gospel together. And for some of us from the first day until now, maybe that's been the case for a long time. For some of us, we're maybe new, we, we haven't known each other as long, but for, for some of us, we've been partners in the spreading of the gospel 
the message, the message of hope, the striving together for that furtherance of the gospel for 40 years, 50 years. So you think about, is that something that you thank God for as you think about fellow believers, that they're being used as a partner, a fellow worker for the sake of the gospel? Another one was, he says, I thank God for your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope. That was another one that we've seen in terms of examples of Paul expressing thankfulness to God for fellow believers, but specifically for what God is doing in their life, for your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Now, today we're going to see a final example of something Paul thanked God for in relation to another believer. In today's passage, Paul communicates his thankfulness for Philemon's expression of love toward other believers as an outflow of his faith in Jesus Christ. So let's take a closer look here this morning. Turn to Philemon. Now, Philemon doesn't have chapters. It's it's just one letter. So in a sense, some people would put Philemon 1, 4 through 7. We're going to look at these particular verses in Philemon. Let's just read this section here together, and then we'll break it down, unpack it, dig into it a little bit more. Verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And there's that familial, familial term again, brothers, as we think about we're brothers and sisters, we're fellow siblings in the faith if we're, if we're fellow believers in Jesus Christ. Start here with verse 4, though. We'll dig a little deeper here this morning. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayer. This is the primary thought. And it represents another prayer of thanksgiving by Paul. And you think about expressions of gratitude. Here Paul is expressing gratitude. I thank my God. And he says I do it always in my prayers. There's a sense that expressions of gratitude to God could or should be endless. Now, I know that that hasn't historically been true in my life. To have an endless sense of thanking God for all that he has done. I know it's an area of growth even in my own life and perhaps it's an area of needed growth in your life. And I was thinking about what causes a lack of gratitude or a lack of expression of thanksgiving to God. Why, why aren't we thanking him more in our conversations that we're having with him. I think part of it is that you have to recognize your blessings, and we're going to get to that here that's spoken of as part of the impetus that is bringing about this attitude that Philemon has, is that he is aware. He can acknowledge and recognize what he has, the blessings that he has, due to the goodness of God over his life. And I think about that. Like, if you don't recognize or count your blessings, how are you going to be grateful? It sort of starts with acknowledging and recognizing that you are blessed. And so I think about our song, I'm so blessed. I think of the tie in there. I wasn't even trying to tie into that, but I mean, just think about that song. On my best day, 
I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we could be called sons of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. I'm an heir of heaven. I'm adopted into the family of God. How much better can it get? Like, we go through life so affected by ourselves and our circumstances and the other people in our lives, the trials that we face, the material things, the world around us, and we're children of the Heavenly Father. We're so we're blessed beyond measure. You wouldn't have to go any farther than that. The, the blessings go so much beyond that, but you could just wake up and say, I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm your child. Like, what more do you need? I'm saying that to myself. I mean, just look in the mirror sometimes and just be, what more could I want? The King of kings and Lord of lords knows me by name and calls me his own, calls me his child. Maybe that would change things, huh? If we really sat there and thought about and, and operated in light of who we are by way of identity and position in Christ. Now, as you think about this a little bit more, thanking God should not be secondary to asking him for things or asking him for assistance. So here we have this expression of gratitude towards God. It's another example of that. Thanking God should become a regular part of our conversations. It shouldn't be, like I said, it shouldn't be something that is second fiddle to always only talking to God with a priority towards asking him to help with things or to fix things or to undertake with things. For starters, that's not a normal kind of a healthy relationship. How many people think it's a healthy relationship to only contact somebody when you need something? Who's, who's been on the receiving end of that type of a conversation? Of that type of a relationship, right? Come on. You, you know people that the only time they reach out to you is because they need something from you. That becomes sort of the pattern of the relationship. That's not much of a relationship. That, that's not a healthy relationship. How many of you have been on the sort of giving end of that type of a relationship where you're the one doing that? Well, there comes a time in all of our lives where that becomes true, where we start to see people as commodities, as we see people in terms of what they can do for us, how they can en enhance our lives, instead of seeing people as something that God wants to minister to through our lives, as he wants to use us to lighten and brighten their lives. But in any event, it shouldn't be that way, where God is, becomes the person that we turn to only when we need something from him. We're supposed to be enjoying life with him, living life with him, depending and resting on him, trusting him, praising him, thanking him, talking to him. There's so much that God wants us to, to involve him in, but some of it is just, how about just talking to him about what we're going through? That wouldn't be asking him for anything. That wouldn't be thanking him for anything. It wouldn't even be praising him for anything. How about just talking to him about what we're going through, what we're, what we're experiencing, just talking to God? And so that's something that jumped out at me. Now, the main thought here is, I thank my God, and then insert, for you. I thank my God for you. That's our main thought there. I thank my God, and then really for you. And I make mention of you is the second aspect of it. So I thank my God for you and I make mention of you. Now, 
Talking to God as a father or friend, it naturally involves discussing people in your life. So if you're thinking about thanking God for people in your life or talking about what it is that God's doing in their life, that would be a natural part of seeing God as a father that you're in close relationship with. What happens with a close relationship when a father comes home from work and is met, met by his, runs into one of his children? What is a, a natural, healthy scenario there? They start talking about what? How their day went. Okay, it's not a healthy, for some of you, it's not probably healthy if you come home and the first, the first thing is that you launch right into all of the failures of the day on their part, you prep, maybe not on your part, but a healthy relationship would be you'd catch up on the day. Now, part of that might be to address some, some things that need to be addressed that aren't positive, but you'd catch up on the day. And, and part of catching up on the day just, I mean, just think about it. Run into anybody. You start to catch up. What naturally happens? What comes up in the conversation? Well, things that have been occurring. Interactions that have been occurring with other people. Impacts that other people have had on your lives. Now, isn't it true that if we're not careful too often, what we're talking about when we catch up with people is all of the negative aspects of people and how that has been impacting our lives. So that we're, as we just unload, it's, it's more of an unloading instead of having an enjoyable conversation with somebody, we're just unloading about all of the different ways and all of the different people that have, all the people in all the different ways they've let us down or impacted us or been negative toward us in our lives. But you could have it done in a positive way too where you might you might make mention of some hardship that's being associated with another person. That's not always bad, so long as it doesn't turn into just pure gossip. But you also might make mention of some positive way that somebody has been impacting you or has influenced your life. That's something you might share with a father or you might share with a friend. Hey, I can't even believe it, but you know, this, this happened to me today. So-and-so did, you know, did this thing that was positive or impactful in my life in a, in a good way. And so that would be a natural part of talking to somebody that you were close with is you would discuss others. And so that's all we're really talking about here. Paul has this closeness with God and so naturally he makes mention of other people in his life. Now in this context, he makes mention of them in a, I thank you, I'm thankful to God for you. Now just in passing, we have this phrase, my God, you again see Paul reminding us of the personal nature of this relationship with God. He appreciates that. He refers to this as my God, my, my, my personal God. Not, this isn't like God, the God of some other person or the God of the world in general, but my God. So as we move on, we say, how often is this occurring? We have this word always. It indicates that Paul frequently includes Philemon in his conversations with God. He says, I thank my God, insert for you, making mention of you, is the second part of it, how often? Always in my prayer. Always. And you can't frequently discuss others with God in prayer if you don't pray frequently. Now, let that one sink in just for a second. He's saying, I'm making mention of you always in my prayers. Well, implied in that is that he's actually praying, right? And so we can't have this frequently bringing people to the Lord before the Lord in a term of even intercessory prayer or even a prayers of gratitude. We can't do that if we're not praying. 
It starts with, we have to be convinced that God is worth including in our lives where we would actually want to talk to him. And Paul says, I do that frequently. And in part of that frequent conversation with God, I speak of you frequently. How do I do that? I do that by mentioning you and thanking God for you. Now, Philemon is one of many people Paul says that he's regularly praying for. I want to flip through our Bibles a little bit. We'll do it quickly here. Start in Romans chapter 1, verse 9. I just want to see you, show you how often it is that Paul says he's praying frequently or always for various people. We'll go through a few and then I'll just read a few. But there's a bunch of them. There's seven of them here. So the takeaway is start adding this up. How much time is Paul going to have to be praying if he's going to pray continually, you know, as a frequent matter is what he's really saying by continually or always, for all of these different groups of people. He says that to whole, all of these churches, like whole churches, and then he says it to individuals too. So how active must your prayer life be if you're going to do this? So start in Romans 1, 9. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's writing this to a whole church. There's one group that he says he's praying always for. Turn to the next book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 4. He says, I thank my God, how often again? Always concerning you. Now he says, for what? For the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Let's go to Ephesians. The only one we would have skipped there other than the church of Corinth is Galatians. Now the church of Ephesus we're going to talk about here. He's again addressing First Corinthians to the whole church at Corinth. Then you get to Ephesians chapter 1. And we want verse 16. Have to insert the word I here because we're not picking up the whole context here. But it says I, verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Who is he writing to? He's writing to a collective group of believers in Ephesus. Go to Philemon, the next book. Philemon chapter 1, verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Always in every prayer for every one of you. He's talking about a whole church here again in Philippi. Go to Colossians chapter 1. I just hope that this ends up being the takeaway that we've had from this series is that Paul is praying a lot. He's talking to God a lot. He's thanking God, praising God. He's asking for, he's asking for things, petitioning God. He has intercessions on behalf of others to God. He has, he has these types of prayers where he's you know, being grateful to God, but these things are found throughout. And it's, it's hopefully modeling for us this 
active, continual prayer life that involves not just our own things that are going on in our own life, but our concern for others. Our concern for others has been such a big part of this series. Verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what? Praying always for you. Praying always for you. Turn to, now this is the church of Colossae, turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're just basically going right in order through Paul's letters. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. We see it again for the church of Thessalonica. Again, this collective group of believers that Paul says, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you always. This is frequently occurring. Maybe this should start to inform our perspective of these things. Turn to 2 Timothy. We saw this. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 3. Now we get to individuals. Philemon here is another example. It's not just churches, it's individuals within them. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. This is the perspective that we're seeing. You know, Paul must have had an extensive prayer list. And presumably, he spent some time each day naming before God, all of these churches, these colleagues that he's working with, his supporters, these people that he has come into contact with. Imagine that he's praying his way through the day, but as he's doing that, he's bringing people to the Lord in those conversations that he's having with the Lord as he's talking to the Lord and involving the Lord throughout his day. So we have, I hope that's been a takeaway in this series for you, how often and frequent this is. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Now we hear, get to verse two. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Okay, so this is gonna modify or add to this idea of why is he thanking God? What is he thanking God for? It's an explanation of why is Paul thankful as it relates to Philemon. Well, what has he heard? Hearing it speaks to Philemon's reputation. Paul heard about this through the testimony of others. It sort of speaks to this idea that there must have been an existence of a network of communication among believers because this is long before the age of cell phones and email and phone calls. This is an age of, this is before even the Pony Express. This is, this is a variation probably of the Pony Express, which is as, as commerce was taking place and things were traveling between town to town. People were traveling between town to town, long travels, difficult travels, slow travels, but that word would travel, letters would travel, notes would be passed. That's why they were, even letters that were written to individuals were to be read to the whole churches because these letters were few and far between. But there was a network where word was getting out and Paul was hearing things, but he heard this about Philemon. Now, what, did he, what was the focus of this? Well, we have hearing of what? Of your or thy love and faith. Now, love and faith are two foundational aspects of Christianity. You, you would say, 
There is no Christianity apart from love and faith. God's love for us, our response of love to the love that he first showed us. Our faith response, being, meaning being persuaded to trust or putting our confidence in. God, our, a sense of dependence on him to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, that there is apart from faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we have love and faith. They're foundations or foundational pillars even of Christianity or being a follower of Christ in general. Now, love and faith directed toward whom? Well, toward the Lord Jesus and all his saints. I heard of your love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all Saints. Now, this could be translated two different ways. I don't want to get us bogged down too much on this, but it could, one option is that it could refer to the faith part of this could be directed toward Jesus and the love directed toward all the saints, meaning they're both, this, this particular reading would, would need some clarification then. Hearing of, you would say, thy faith toward the Lord Jesus and thy love toward all the saints. And so, that's one potential option. In, the, in this case, it would read, I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. That's what we're talking about with saints there. Now, I want you to see where that perspective comes from, where some believe that that would be the better way to understand or to translate these the Greek, underlying Greek words. And they get it, the, the best support for it is, is this here, Colossians 1, 3 through 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since what we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love that you have for all of the saints. So the idea is that this would be Paul's sort of shorthand for the same thing. So he would be trying, to, he'd be effectively communicating the same truth pulled from the way he phrases things here in Colossians. The reason they go that way or quite lean that way in the translation is that it avoids the kind of the awkward question of how a believer has faith directed toward another believer. So if you take it that we have hearing of thy both love and faith and they're both directed toward the Lord Jesus and both love and faith are directed toward all saints. So how does, the, there's some difficulty with how does a believer have faith directed toward another believer. That's, you know, that's a difficult thing. Now, option two explains that. Option two says, love and faith, they're both directed toward the Lord Jesus and they're both directed toward all the saints. He's heard of this and this is why he's thanking God. Now, in this reading, love and faith are viewed as inseparable components of the Christian way of life and therefore, they're directed toward both the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And the, this interpretation focuses on the expression or the testimony of love and faith. Not that I have faith that is directed, I'm not putting my faith in another believer. That's not the idea. It's that I have an expression of faith that is observable by other believers. I have a testimony of love and I have a testimony of faith that is directed toward other believers. They're impacted by it. So as, re, as it relates to the faith toward all saints, the idea is that Philemon's faith was observable by other believers and impactful in their lives is how the second way of looking at this would take it. I guess I'm not going to help with it because I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Those are the two possibilities. I think either one of them is, is fine. Both are biblically true. Both are doctrinally true. Other believers should be impacted by the expression 
of our faith and love, the testimony of our faith and love. It should be observable. It should be impactful. So you can take it as the way it's translated here in the New King James, the New King James Version that I'm looking at here this morning, the hearing of thy love and faith are both then directed, both love and faith are directed toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. I'm also perfectly fine with saying he means the same thing here in shorthand as he meant in Colossians 1, 3 through 4. Certainly we have faith in the Lord Jesus. That's the foundation of Christianity. And the outflow of that faith in Christ is should be a love for the brethren. We should love one another as he has loved us. And so that's a perfectly biblical principle as well. So the bigger thing is don't get lost in that. The question is, are you known for your faith and love toward the Lord and other believers? Is that something that people could hear about in your life? That's the thing that Paul is thanking God for. Could that be true of you? Do you even have those two things overtly present in your life that, that others could even see, observe it to then talk about it so that others could hear about it? And the answer is too often, not like it should be. Is this church known for, like collectively, are we as a body of believers, are we known for our love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and our love and faith as observable by others, directed toward others? Or if you want to say it the other way, are we known collectively for our faith in Christ Jesus and our love for the fellow believers? Is that, is that how we're known? Now, we're not going to be known for that if we're not letting the Spirit of God produce those kinds of things in our lives. If we're not yielded vessels that the Lord can work through, if we're not clay in His hands and we're letting Him shape us and transform us into the image of His Son then those things aren't going to be true of us. We can't be known for these things if we don't have them present in our lives as an outflow of the Spirit of God again working in our lives. Couldn't be true. If we don't give a rip about one another, we're not going to be known for our deep love and compassion for one another. We're just going to be known for just a group of people that must find some value in coming together, but are just going through the motions. Is that, is that what God wants for us? And the answer is no. He wants us to be compelled and motivated by his example of love that he has for us, the love that he wants to produce, his kind of love. The fruit of the Spirit is first and foremost what? Love. What kind of love? Selfish love? Passing, temporal, fleeting love? No, eternal love selfless love, sacrificial love, God's kind of love because it's produced by God's Spirit working in our life as we abide in the vine. What is our part in this? Our part isn't to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to make myself more loving this morning. <laughs> I've been as unloving as I could tolerate and today's the day for change. I'm going to definitely be more loving today. thing is choose you this day whom you will serve wake up with a positive volitional response that says yet not I but Christ that liveth in me takes in John 15 and says if I stay connected to the vine then he can bear fruit through me he can produce through, through the fruit through the, through the power of his spirit working in my life if I stay close to him if I depend on his resources if I feed off of the nutrition from the word of God if I feed off of the nutrition, the closeness, the intimacy that comes through enjoying Him, keeping my gaze fixed on Him, walking as led and directed by Him. 
and I become known through the outflow of his love working in me. Verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you by Christ Jesus. I got that wrong. So look at your, look at your Bibles for this one. That the communication of, your, of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So verse five here, it represents Paul's basis for thanksgiving, but what is verse six about? It identifies a specific prayer request that Paul has been making on Philemon's behalf, and he's been doing it by making mention of the always in my prayers, but one is, what is one of the things that he's asking for? So he says, I think, this ties back to verse four here, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. And what is he asking though? So the basis is sort of, it's sort of like inserted in there, verse five, a parenthetical. This is what caused me to be thankful for. But now come back to the main thought. I thank my God. And what do I ask him though? I, the prayer request, in addition to being grateful for you, in addition to being grateful for this love and faith that I've heard about you, is I, I ask God that the communication of your faith would become effectual by means of acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So here we have a prayer request. Now communication of thy faith is better understood as participation in the faith, contribution in the faith, generosity in the faith, motivated by faith, association in the faith, or sharing in the faith. So that word kind of sets us uh, in the wrong direction a little bit. In fact, in the, th the Greek helps that I have, it's not even one of the words that you could pick but it must be one way that the word is used at, at some point in time that you could translate it with that word, but the idea isn't that you're communicating the faith, that we're not talking about evangelism here. What Paul is talking about is participation or sharing in the faith, this, this idea of being active in the faith, and so this word effectual, it refers to being active or producing an intended result, and so what he's asking or on behalf of Philemon to God is he's saying, I'm praying that Philemon's faith would be active, that he would be actively contributing and participating in the faith. And in this context, the focus is on the active outworking of a believer's faith and the corresponding love for others, and a corresponding love for others, which we'll see in verse seven. This active outworking of a believer's faith, it's not, again, focused on evangelism. That hasn't been the, the context of anything that you'll see in Philemon. The per point of Philemon is to talk to Philemon about Onesimus, who has been a runaway slave of Philemon's, who is being sent back, he's going to ask Philemon for generosity as it relates to Philemon's dealing with Onesimus. So the setup here is he's saying, I've been praying that you would have this active participation or you'd have this outflowing, this active outflowing or of this internal faith that you have. This, there'd be this outworking of love that you'd have for, the, for fellow saints. And you see that here, in Galatians 5, 6. So you can talk about like religious rituals or externally focused thing. And you can make distinctions be based on things like ethnic 
association. Are you a Jew or are you a Gentile? And that's what this is referring to. For in Jesus Christ, there's neither circumcision, referring to being a part of the nation of Israel, nor uncircumcision, referring to being a Gentile. That avails, that avails anything. It doesn't have any impact in this now united mystery that's been revealed, this body of Christ, where there's neither bond nor free Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, but all one in Christ. But what is important? If that doesn't avail anything, what does? Faith that is working through love. Faith that is working through love. And that's the idea here, that you'd have faith here that's being active. And we'll see that the motivation is that in that is love that's brought out in verse 7. Now, before we get to that, though, what is the stimulus for this? What is causing that active outflow motivated by love for others? Well, it's the acknowledging, by the acknowledging. And that speaks to a stimulus for this active outflow of faith. Now, acknowledging what? Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That's why I talked about here this morning with I'm so blessed. When I see my blessings, it, has, it should have an impact on me. I acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, talking about the blessings of the believer associated with their position in Christ. That causes this active outflow or expression of love or, or expression of my faith in the lives of other people. That's really the idea here. See, when we think about acknowledging or recognizing something, it means to appreciate the significance of a particular reality and then respond accordingly. See, the reality exists. You have been blessed. You have all of these good things in Christ. That's, that's a fact. Whether you appropriate it or living in light of it or recognizing it in any moment practically or not, it's a fact. So the believer, their challenge isn't to make this true. It is true. You are blessed. The, the challenge for the believer is to live in light of it, to recognize that it is true. See, every th- good thing which is in, it, in you, it's referring to all of these many blessings that you have associated with your position in Christ. So the idea here is Paul is praying that Philemon's outflow of faith would be active as motivated by a recognition of the many blessings and treasures he already possess- possesses in association with his position or his identity in Christ. So we come to our last verse here, verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Or in the New King James, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Now, the four here indicates a basis for the thanksgiving. This is why I thank God for you. And it's because we've, I've been praying for this in your life that there would be this outworking of your faith that would be active, motivated by love and an expression of love towards others. I've been praying for that. I've been hearing about that. And I've been praying that it would continue to be the case, that it would be representative of your time and your, your life that's spent here on earth. And I've, it's been giving me great joy and consolation to see or to know that this has been true. This is why I'm thanking God. So when he says we have... That's already occurring. We have great joy and consolation. Now, consolation just means encouragement and comfort. What is causing that? We have this great joy and consolation in thy love. See, Paul references the joy and encouragement he experienced when hearing about the love that Philemon is actively demonstrating toward fellow believers. The outflow of that love is said to have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Refreshed the hearts of the saints. Now, I will say this. Paul never explains the specifics 
of Philemon's ministry to other believers. He never explains what specifically is it that Philemon was doing in this active expression or outflow of his faith, this love response that he has had toward other believers. He says, I've heard of it. I've been praying for it, that it would be true, that it would continue to be true. It's brought me great joy and encouragement, but he doesn't say anything about the specifics. Now, we know a few things about Philemon. One thing we know about Philemon is that he was hosting a gathering of the early church in his home. Sort of a very pretty clear picture of generosity there. Hospitality, you'd see that there. That's an external expression motivated by love. It's an outworking or an outflowing of faith as God would work in our life. Hospitality, generosity is what Paul's going to be asking him for to show even more generosity as it relates to Onesimus. So perhaps that. If he's hosting a church gathering in his house and I think Archippus, I shouldn't guess. I think it's Archippus is the, a pastor there. Is that right? Okay, well, we have two votes for that. The rest of you can't vote. <laughs> Perhaps he's actively involved in the regular underworkings of the church, what's going on in the church. Either way, Paul is saying it's brought me great joy and encouragement to know and to hear about this love expression that's being produced as an outflow of your faith in your life, and that's what I'm thanking God for. You think it's not all that complicated when you say it that way. He certainly had some level of willingness to serve the Lord that the Lord was willing to use. You see, is the Lord interested in using believers? Is it God's will that we would be useful and used by him to accomplish his purposes? Yeah, he said, I, I beg you that you would present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And that's your reasonable service. And, and, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That would be my second thing. But presenting your bodies as living sacrifices, I'm available for the Lord to use. Not out of a sense of guilt or shame or obligation because I'm trying to make myself acceptable to God. He already accepts me. He already loves me. As I have a love response to the love that he first showed for me, then it's, Lord, how can, how can I be used by you today? What do you have for me today? Lord, help me to help my stupid self. Help me to get out of your way. Help me to stop resisting this, preventing this. Help me, help me to stop quenching this from occurring. See, God's not going to force it against my will. Help me to be sensitive to you so that I could be usable by you so that you could work in me, that I could have this expression, this outflow of faith that would be impactful in the lives of others as motivated by love that I learned by seeing God's love for me. Now that could take many different forms, right? And the forms that it takes in your life would be very different from mine, but is that God's will for your life? Yes. The issue isn't, is it God's will for our lives that we could be used by him? That's a fact, friends. So what we're really talking about, will my willingness ever correspond with his will? The moment that my willingness corresponds with God's will is guaranteed to be effective. There's nothing stopping God. 
he's able. That's not the issue. The issue is, will my willingness align with his will? And in the moments that it does, God's going to want to use you in the same ways he was willing to use Philemon. By same ways, I mean to love and express that love in a care and concern for other believers. In a care and concern for the lost around you. God will use that. So if you're saying, man, God just doesn't have any use for me. That's not true. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm too far gone for God. That's not true. This is, don't put this on God. Just come to a place where you can say, I haven't been willing to allow the Lord to make changes in my thinking, to work in my life, to use me the way he wants to use me. That's, that's always been the issue. It's me against me. You're your own worst enemy. That's a fact. So we, we end this morning thankful for your love. Is that something that you're thankful for? Paul is grateful for Philemon's expression of love toward other believers as an outflow of his faith in Jesus Christ. As an outflow, as a byproduct of his recognition of the blessings he already possesses in Christ. Do you recognize and appreciate the blessings associated with your identity in Christ? Do you acknowledge those things? Acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus? Do you love fellow believers? Are you willing to be used by the Lord to refresh the hearts of other believers? Would anyone thank God for your loving expression of faith? Do you ever thank God for the love a fellow believer is extending to others or even perhaps to you in your life? Do you experience joy and encouragement when you observe this happening in the lives of other believers? Those are the questions to mull over as you walk away this morning. Are thankful for your love. That was an example that we have from Paul, and this is something that we all should be mindful of. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we can spend in your word. Thank you for all of your efforts through your word to change our thinking, to inform our thinking, to point us back to you, to teach us to depend on you, to show us that you do have a plan and a purpose and a will for our lives, but that that plan and purpose starts and ends with you. It's about being connected to you first and foremost, talking to you, involving you, resting in you, depending in you, staying connected to you so that you can accomplish your purposes in our lives. Pray that we would be willing. Pray that we would draw nearer to you, that we would involve you that we would lean on you, that we would enjoy you, that we would include you in our lives so that these things could be true of us just as they were true in Philemon's life. In Jesus' name, amen.